So yeah, how 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 about that? Uh, it's been a year. I mean, we were trying to figure out how exactly this started. So that was that was. I remember we talked about it for like I didn't even eight months beforehand. Yeah. We came from talking about it for so long to then Oktoberfest. That Oktoberfest, I just remember us standing around drinking that at that Oktoberfest, and then we were like, "Oh, we got to do this. We're gonna do it." We did, and we did it. Yeah, yeah. Thank standing you, around Fest, waiting was... to get into that Oktoberfest <laughs> and not being able to get food. But yes, while we had all that time, I think standing and waiting to get somewhere. I think Zach and I were accidentally waiting in the women's bathroom line because it was so long. So that was pretty cool. But uh, no, it's definitely been a weird ride. I mean, we, we got things started and we dealt with a pandemic. Dealt with a pandemic. How I many mean, yeah. shows have had to do with a pandemic? Right, right. I mean, we. I think. Well, and I updated the uh, the beer map today. I saw that. And I actually like yeah. So I actually. I've been just guessing at that. I'm like, oh, yeah. Yeah. It's right over here. <laughs> You're way up. No, yeah. Like Athens, <laughs> I apparently had no idea where Athens was. I thought uh, it was like, you know, a few paces from it's, Columbus. It's, it's yeah. like a few paces from the border. Yeah. It, it's, it's, <laughs> it's southeast Ohio. We don't yeah, talk about it. It's, it's, 20, it's 20 minutes from the great city of uh, Logan, Ohio. Oh. some greats. But I mean, yeah, we've done like over 30 different breweries and have... Other than COVID and a few other weeks, I mean, we've had an episode every week. We won an award. Mm-hmm. We've pretty much got drunk around the state, not drinking and driving, all, all, in, no. all in the studio. No, it's, it's, <laughs> but it's we've delivered. been drinking around the state. <laughs> We're su- supporting our local breweries. Yeah, well, that's what you need to do during this time, support that's, your local businesses. That's what it's all about. Drink. And hey, during a lot of this time. In these times, with I these know teams. having a... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, with yeah, these exactly. teams and I mean, these times, yeah. You, one, you're going to want to drink, and two, you're going to want someone to... Misery loves company. Right, right. And we'll, if there's one thing we'll that I company. am, it's miserable. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Greg. Well, at least, you know, the one shining light of Ohio will start next weekend, so we got that to look forward to. That's true. The crew already clinched the playoffs, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. Last night. Is this what we're talking crew. about? And welcome in to another edition of 30 Rack of Sports. It is Monday, October 19th, roughly a year from the first show. 30 Rack Episode 1 debuted on October 20th last year. So we're at roughly 30 Rack's one-year anniversary. Uh, So thank you so much for those of you that have been there since the beginning. And thank you for all the new listeners that we picked up along the way. Uh, If you're new here, let's get into our intros. My name's Greg. I'm the talent around here. I keep things kind of in line. Uh, I'm going to start to my left today, actually. Give, give a nice little shout-out. Uh, to my left is the backbone of the podcast, the guy who does it all and really ties <laughs> the podcast together. It's Josh. Josh, thanks for all you do for this podcast oh, for last year. Thanks, man. And the thanks. guy who edits, puts together this whole podcast. He does Thank it all. You. Thank you. Thank you guys for bringing the uh, the talent and the takes. I hey. you know, couldn't do without you. That part, that part we have covered. <laughs> wouldn't have anything to edit if it weren't for you guys. And then to my right. Can I say that? That was like the first like nice intro you've done for him. That yeah. was really sweet of you. <laughs> yeah. And, and then to my right. Anniversary present. A guy who holds nothing back and is willing to take shots. Well below the belt. Always. Well below the belt. And that was made clear last weekend and every weekend that I see you. <laughs> it's Zach. 
the takes himself, the take master himself. Zach, how are we doing this fine Monday evening? It's good, and it's never personal. I don't remember what I said <laughs> to you, but I'll tell you, I apologize. Very it personal. Not, what very guys, personal. What'd you guys get into? Very DC personal. Last I, I, uh, We'll get to that off podcast. Oh, that was that. It was that far below. The I ball. will say wow. I apologize to the talent. I'm sure whatever I said was massively inappropriate and not meant towards you. <laughs> I'm curious you know now. I really want to know. I would, I would love to know too because I don't remember. We'll, we'll get there. Okay. We'll get there through the rest of our show. But uh, we've got a whole lot to talk about this week. Obviously, the Big Ten getting started. So we got a little over-under. Um, and also previewing the Big Ten season. We've got an awesome collaboration beer for you all that uh, we are enjoying a whole bunch right now. So it's a, it's a great beer, and, and we'll get into it here in the next segment. And then we also have the GOAT debate, MJ versus LeBron. Uh, Zach and I are, are duking it out with Josh as the moderator. But first, Zach, yep. we want to duke something out with you real quick, Josh. Oh, now, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. What are you guys we laying off here? Had, this, is, this is a surprise. We have had our forty bets. Oh man! <laughs> and you have been on the wrong side of it. On every one. On every one. Yes. So is that zero and three. I said I would. Three, yes, I right. said I would give you the spread. But here is my first thought for you. I will give you seven points. If the Browns win by more than a touchdown, you have to drink a forty. If the Browns win by less than a touchdown. Or if the Bengals win, or they tie, I guess, as the Bengals are capable of, I'll have to drink a 40. And if they win by exactly seven, we push. Zach, Zach has, has to, drink to drink a 40. 40. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, I'll take that bet. I'll oh, that. Wow. oh, I thought wow. we were going to take some thought, coaxing. Wow. I was going to say, I had, uh, I had a couple extra bullets. Uh, yeah. I, I think the Bengals can lose I by a, one score. I've seen it all the time. I was he just wants to see me drink a <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say. I, uh, yeah, those are I no was, stakes for me. I was about to do like... Double forties, all this stuff. So I'm glad. I'm glad you bailed me. And I was here. gonna take it no matter what, and then laugh when the Bengals actually won. And what is the like, actual? What? what is the actual spread? Is it out yet? Uh, it's between four and four and a half. Okay. But I'm giving you a touchdown. But if they win by exactly a touchdown, then uh, <laughs> Zach's on the hook, which right. is awesome. All right, let's let's do it. It's a bet. All right, it's, it's a, a bet. It's a forty bet. Forty bet. Right. We're going after it. Well, I might we'll be excited here. to drink some forties <laughs> next week or maybe the week after. We'll see, but. Right now, we're going to enjoy this wonderful beer from Boulevard and Rheingeist. Oh, beer of the week. That's awesome. Yeah, how do you do that? That's great. And our beer of the week for this week is actually a collaboration, guys. We've got our pals at Rheingeist, but actually collaborating outside the Ohio borders with Boulevard Brewing Company in Kansas City, Missouri. It is their Crustfall Peach Berry Pie Sour. And this is an Imperial Berliner Weiss style Weiss Ale with peach, blackberry, blueberry, and other natural flavors. So the Berliner Weiss is usually a little bit on the sour side. Uh, you know, it's your wheat beer, but more sour. And the Imperial comes in because it's 7.5%. Uh, so very heavy for your Berliner Weisses. Normally those are like 3 or 4%. So guys, what are your thoughts? Oh, wow. Some um, high marks. They took down, um, what was it, pool party? Pool, the pool party, Pilsner? Oh. Yeah, that was, this is better. They took him down, number one. It's the greatest thing I've ever taken. Oh, it's it dangerous. Is, it is really good. I was, that's, yeah, exactly, that's exactly the word I was going to use was dangerous, because I was oh, like, 7.5%, yeah. this, I mean, 
doesn't taste like a beer almost though. No, this is stuff you could chug down. Oh yeah. It has it's kind of dark, but then you taste it and it's uh very light. Yeah, for those watching, you expect it to kind of have that like light color maybe, but it's almost got like a mapley color. Almost looks like an Oktoberfest in color wise. Yeah. Yeah. And it's uh interesting, but it's definitely got that. I mean, it's got that sourness, but you can you could actually pick out quite a few. I mean, I can get that blackberry and that blueberry flavor oh, along yeah. with it very well. I mean, it's it's a full beer, and sometimes with the sours, I know people that aren't as big into sour beers as I am mm. say sometimes it kind of takes over the taste, but this one you kind of get everything, and it is Yeah, the sour taste comes right at the end. Yeah, well, and the flavors. contrasting with the what you brought up, Zach, the pool party pilsner from Land Grant that we yeah. all have put on the top shelf of the beers oh, we've yeah. tried, this is up there right with that but it's a completely different beer whereas that is very a very drinkable beer mm -hmm. um this has just got it's got so much going on with it and i love the whole the whole pie aspect of it you kind of get that like wheat part of the beer with the mm -hmm. crust but then all the berries and the fruitfulness of it is so i mean it's it's right on point with what they were trying to do oh exactly and uh yeah i think uh and it's like a beer you can give to someone who's like ah, i don't i don't really drink beer Oh, I bet they would crush this, though. Well, and then... Yeah, and that seems to be kind of something that uh, Boulevard is definitely trying to get into the market. They have a uh, a spiked and sparkling soda that they call Quirk. Hmm. They have, uh, I guess, craft cocktails as well, just kind of looking at, at their website yeah. beforehand. So the, I guess they were definitely trying to go out on, you know, a limb here. And who better to collaborate with than, you know, one of the giants in one of the biggest craft brewery states in the nation in Ohio teaming up with Rheingeist and they really hit a home run with this one. Well, Ryan, Rheingeist knows what they're doing with like the, the pie collaborations. This isn't their first one of those. And I think you get that when you look at the different types of malts and hops that they use here. I mean, they use a, a really good honey malt and a good biscuit malt. And I think that gets that crust aspect in there. Um, you've also got Columbus hops just to give it a little bit of that hoppiness there. And then, yeah, peaches, blackberries, blueberries, and vanilla. Uh, I mean, this is a pie in a can. Exactly. It's a party in a can. It's a party, party it's a, in a it's can. It's a pie party in a can. And it's amazing. We'll, we'll get to how to describe it more and uh, talk about the can a little bit more in Zach's reciting of the can. But, man, we're going to be enjoying this beer. So I'm sure this isn't the last segment where it'll come it's up a, and we'll talk good, about how just awesome this it's beer a good is. party beer for our uh, one-year anniversary celebration and then uh kansas city chiefs are playing the the random monday 5 p.m game so we're all tying it in here we need more of this i mean yeah tuesday yeah. night football thursday night football it allows it for a, a generous collaboration of events I'll, yeah hey I'm, it's I'm a it's it. a monday 30 rack collaboration it's monday afternoon football and it's kansas city and cincinnati breweries putting out one hell of a beer in crestfall mm -hmm. Greg. Josh should have made that bet. FCC scores two goals for the first time since July and beats the crew 2-1 to one for their first Hell is Real Derby win since moving to the MLS. Two first half penalties converted by Kubo and Santos led, a, led to a level score at halftime, but a 49th minute strike by Ohio native Nick Haglin led to the FCC victory. To recap the NFL weekend, the Browns lost by a lot. Yeah. 
The Bengals, on the other hand, jumped out to a 21-0 lead, but let victory slip through their hands as they dropped the game to the Colts 31-27. And on a lighter note, Saturday was hopefully the last weekend for a while Ohio has to go without college football. After UC's clash with Tulsa was postponed due to COVID, next week starts Ohio State's schedule versus Nebraska, and UC will hopefully be back in action in a top 25 showdown versus SMU in Dallas. And of course, guys, we are just two and a half weeks from the Mac being back. And those are your OH headlines. All right, it is now time for the over and the under. Doing some more preseason over-unders this time with the conference that's starting on Saturday, Zach. The Big Ten is back starting this Saturday, the 24th. The Big Ten, just as a reminder, playing a nine-game schedule. Uh, eight games are right now are scheduled, and then there's a championship-slash-matchup week, so the championship will obviously be the top team in the Big Ten East versus the top team in the West, but then they're making nine games for everybody. So second place plays second place all the way down to whoever finishes last in the Big Ten West will play Rutgers. So <laughs> very good. Yeah, uh, more of a much. punishment than a... <laughs> we, we're uh, highlighting five, but just a couple just to point out. Uh, we'll, we'll start at the top, the team with the highest over-under. Once again, this is nine games. So uh, Ohio State, Do, have you heard of them, Zach? No? Never. The Ohio State Buckeyes check in at eight and a half for their over-under, which means they would need to go undefeated through all eight of their scheduled games plus win the Big Ten Championship in order to go over. Um, Right now, just highlighting some games, uh, their opener versus Nebraska, and then Halloween at Penn State, uh, December 12th versus Michigan, and then, of course, you know, whoever from the West they would play if they made it to the Big Ten Championship. Yeah, don't jinx them, presumably. Yeah, I said if they. Yeah. If they. Well, whoever they play during championship matchup week. I guess that's, yeah. So, yeah. They would need to win all of them. Uh, well, actually, mm-hmm. yeah, we'll just get you out of the way real quick, Zach. <laughs> uh, what, what, are your, what are your thoughts uh, on them? Gotta go nine. You're going over. You have to. You have to go over. Uh, as an Ohio State fan, I mean, they're the deepest, most talented team in the conference. Um, anything less than nine is a complete and utter disappointment. So, yeah. Wow. Um, I don't know if I go complete and utter disappointment just because, like, I'm not enough of an Ohio State fan to care. But I'd also go over. Um, I've been called at times an Ohio State hater. Oh, yeah. But honestly, yes. on my own doing, which is <laughs> which is fair. I don't mind it. But I was trying to poke some holes in the Ohio State schedule. But Nebraska is still a while away. They play a lot of, you know, I mean, the East teams, a lot of them are down, like Michigan State's down. Maryland's even further down, and then they play Rutgers. And uh, their crossover games are, you know, Illinois and Maryland. So, like I said, Illinois and Indiana. Illinois and Nebraska. Or Illinois versus there, yeah. Yeah. We both Uh, got it wrong. I tried to correct you on that. (laughs) But, uh, so, you know, I tried to pick out their losable games. Obviously, at Penn State is, no fans is there. going that to be tough. It. Yeah, but you still... Well, it's t- it'll you, be tough. You could, presumably. Like, I'm even thinking presumably. And then I put yeah. Michigan down here, but it's like, I don't even know what the point is anymore. And then Wisconsin <laughs> no. will probably... Well, I mean, Wisconsin or I guess maybe Minnesota, top two teams as far as over-unders in the West. 
maybe give them a game, but like I just unless they lay an absolute egg against like one of in one of their three or four tough games. Yeah, I don't see them losing a the game. What about you, Josh? Yeah, I right nail on the head there, Greg. I think they're I think their trap game, and even if you want to call it that, is the Penn State game again. Yeah. No fans. You know, it's going to be Halloween night. No Micah Parsons, too. Right. But it is going to be Halloween night with a full moon, you know. It's going to be weird. Happen. Um, but I totally agree with you, Greg, in that, that Wisconsin game or Minnesota game, one of those teams is going to go up on the Buckeyes in, like, the first quarter and maybe Seven carry, nothing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, may, and maybe carry a tie game or, like, a one-score lead into halftime but then get rolled by the end of the game. I have a hard time taking – the Ohio State Buckeyes under on anything right now. Um, until until you are shown a weakness, I don't I don't think they can be stopped right now. Well, we go to those presumable or at least the favorites uh, according to Vegas in the Big Ten West for our next team. We have the Wisconsin Badgers. There's a set at an even seven wins. So uh, obviously to go over, they would need to go eight and one or nine and zero. Oh. Uh, just some of their potential losable games they go to nebraska on halloween um november 14th at michigan uh host minnesota in that of course famed rivalry on november 24th and then uh their last scheduled game is at iowa on december 12th and then uh big 10 championship matchup week so we'll start with you again zach uh what are your thoughts on on wisconsin Uh, i'm gonna go seven uh so you're gonna you're gonna go push straight up yeah I, i go seven i think um yeah, I could go with like either Michigan or I think Minnesota might take the axe, but um, and then yeah, they'll lose the Big Ten title. It's like Ohio State, Penn State. Yeah. My thought is I originally went under, but you know probably leaning under to push because I would think they'll probably lose one of these. Like I said, at Michigan, Minnesota, at Iowa, and then maybe lose like a random game somewhere. And my only thought would be if they play. Ohio State, I would expect him to finish up seven and three. But if they happen to drop two during the regular season and say Minnesota slips by them, yeah, then maybe they face uh, Michigan again or uh, Penn State or something, and it's like there might be more of a toss up. Yeah. So I'm gonna go under, but like I said, it wouldn't shock me if they won exactly seven games. What about you, Josh? Yeah, it's hard not to pick the put. It being a even seven, it's hard not to pick the push here because I can see them losing that rivalry game and then mm-hmm. uh, to Ohio State. Um, However, I'm a betting man, and I'm going to take the over here. I say they win that rivalry game and only lose one other. I'm taking, I'm taking eight. Oh, Josh going eight, so eight. Josh taking the over. All righty. Got one at least. Now we go. We'll actually start with Zach here because we'll we'll wait till Zach can get up on his horse. We'll let we'll let other people talk real quick first. <laughs> uh, the Michigan Wolverines coming in at six. Say and their a name half. right. The University of Michigan Wolverines. <laughs> You're a bastard. <laughs> I'm not calling them the team up north. I really don't care that much. Uh, Michigan, their over-under is set at 6.5, so they would have to go 7-2 and two or better to go over. Uh, once again, they're, they're tough games. Uh, October 24th, so uh, this weekend, they go to Minnesota. They are slight favorites in that game. Uh, versus Wisconsin on November 14th. Versus Penn State on... Uh, November 28th, of course, at Ohio State on December 12th, and then whoever they would play for the uh, championship matchup week. So, Josh, we'll start with you. Uh, what's what's the line again? Six and a half. Six and a half. So six and three would be under, seven and two yeah, or better would be over. That's what I'm going to 
I'm going under here. I say six or five wins. Um, you know, unlike Ohio State, and I hate to use the rivalry example here, but like with Ohio State, you have confidence in whatever you're going to pick there. You have momentum. You have confidence. You haven't been shown a reason why you shouldn't have those things. With Michigan, all sorts of reasons. Yeah, there are plenty. You can list plenty of reasons. So I'm going under here. Um, I think this is pretty easy. I this is just a don't overthink it. Uh, at Ohio State, they're going to get boat raced. Then they're going to be crawling around for whoever they play in matchup week. Probably lose that game. And then you say, would you pick them to win all of the Minnesota-Wisconsin-Penn State games? No. Nope. No way. I think they go 6-3. and three. You know, maybe 5-4. and four, But Good. I would expect maybe 6-3. Yeah. Good math there. So, <laughs> don't overthink it, Zach. Quickly. Uh, you both brought up great points. Yeah, I'm going the under on the milk stakes. No way. They're probably I go in five and four. Uh, they always drop another game that you're just like, what? Yeah. Like, yeah what exactly. happened there? Exactly. That yeah. was my yeah. thought. But the thing is, I mean, that's about half their games there, and the other ones are kind of lollipop right. games. So yeah, it's like, right. yeah. yeah. All right. So our fourth game, and you may be wondering why we would pick this team. Of course, uh, my favorite team in the Big Ten, the Northwestern Wildcats. Uh, proud child of two Northwestern graduates. Hey. So uh, big Wildcat fan, Evanston, Illinois, of course. Uh, they're over-under set at four, so uh, would need to go uh, five and four or better to go over. So uh, normally I've had losable games. For them, uh, there's the winnable games. <laughs> uh, they start against at home versus Maryland, go to Iowa on Halloween, uh, Nebraska at home. Uh, at Purdue, at Michigan State, versus Illinois, and then the ninth game. So, uh, Zach, we'll start with you. Do you expect the Wildcats to basically? Do you expect them to go over or under five hundred? Uh, well, I guess if you go, if you say four and five, then you're you're pushing. Yeah, uh, I I love Pat Fitzgerald. I do. Uh, I'm going under though. I don't know. I just even like those winnable games. I'm like, ah, you know, like at Nebraska. I don't think so. You know. Uh, I don't think they have a subtle quarterback situation. They're Northwest is one of the teams they have like two good years and they got to like rebuild. And they're still in that revamping mode, in my opinion. Yeah, I'm gonna go under. Uh, just to, uh, I'm actually gonna jump in here real quick. Uh, they do have Indiana transfer and former Elder quarterback Patrick uh, Ramsey yeah, coming yeah, in. Yeah, they do. Have so them. that's fair. They were able to win some games with basically like a fifth-string walk-on quarterback last year. So I think some stability, and I think just the one thing that you're going to get is, you know, I mean, I understand Nebraska, but Maryland's way down, Purdue, who knows, Michigan State's way down, Illinois, Illinois, and then the ninth game. I may yeah. just be an optimist and say over, but, like, the other thing is Northwestern will usually play those at Iowa or, like, Wisconsin games closer than you expect. The defense is still pretty good if they can just get some semblance of offense. I'm not expecting them to win the West, but I'm expecting them to be solid. If they go under, it's not surprising, but I think solid quarterback play might buy them another two or three wins. Purple, Big Cats, Ramsey. That's a formula right there. <laughs> I mean, that's if you're just looking for, like, <laughs> Hey, I'm not hating. Spirit, I was just... I, you know, I think now that that for that to work, 
you're going to have to have some good defensive games from Northwestern. I think that's the key this year is that the defense can't implode on themselves. They have to be, they have to roar, not rare. Yeah. You know? Um, I still think they're in kitten. Well, when they go three and out, you know, every other drive like they did last year. Right. They can't, you know, yeah, you have, your defense is going to have to keep you in games, but I think some of those games are. Northwestern game was seven to three last year. (laughs) At one point. I know, it was. You got to keep yourself in, in the game. I think if they can keep themselves in the game, then they set themselves up uh, for more than four wins. I'm going over. All righty. And now our last one. Uh, We alluded to this a little bit beforehand. We have the Rutgers Scarlet Knights, of course, (laughs) under new coaching. No more Chris Ash. No more interim head coach Nunzio Campanelli. No. What a great New Jersey name, by the way. They have their guy back in the night gear. They have Greg Schiano back, former coach, now current coach. Their over-under is set at a whopping one and a half. So that means they would need to win two Two games, two out of nine uh, games yeah, yeah. in order to get over. What are their winnable games? Uh, so the winnable see. games that I have, IU is supposed to be good, but uh, Halloween, always weird. They play yeah. IU at home. Uh, yeah. November 14th, play Illinois at home. Uh, at Purdue on the 28th of November. Uh, last scheduled game is at Maryland. And then, of course, probably the bottom feeder of the Big Ten West. Josh, can you find two wins? <laughs> Uh, is the real question. I think they can find one win. And then I'm going to take the over here just because, and I almost feel like I need to take a shower after that. I mean, this is Rutgers we're talking about. But it's a weird year. Anything can happen. Maybe they can get two wins. Is it something to be proud of? No. But <laughs> maybe they can do it. Then, All right. If anybody can. I Shiano, I guess. I get, yeah, you know, maybe. Josh, this is the bet that you make where you say, if I wake up, you know, middle of November and I see I'm watching Rutgers and Illinois play, if, you know, if Rutgers wins and you bet the under, you're like, you know what? Tip your hat. If Rutgers gets killed and you pick the over, you feel like the dumbest human being on the earth. Yeah. So... <laughs> Yeah. I Josh, am like, going to protect myself here. <laughs> and if Shiano finds the way to two wins, Coward. I'll tip Coward. my hat. But I'm going to go to bed knowing that I was on the right side of this. I'm taking the under. Zach, hey, whatever, what about you? You know what, Josh? I'm going help. optimistic. I love it. I'm hey, going man, with thanks. it. I'm going t- two wins. Sleep at night. I think the biggest issue with Rutgers has been disorientation. I think you break Greg Shiano and he knows how to run a program. I think he finds a way to two wins. Yeah. Yeah. He go. really ran that Tampa Bay Bucks. I mean, program. that's not, yeah. Well, that's that not could good. come You're back. Split, yeah. We're splitting hairs here. We are, we're really ran that Tennessee yeah. program. I think very he well. finds a way to two wins. I think he brings in enough people. Uh, yeah. I'll go with it. Yeah, I'm going over. Well, let us know at our social media. Do you think Rutgers will get two wins? Do you think Ohio State will go undefeated? Do you think. That team up north will get to seven I appreciate wins. It. Thank you. Let us know on our social media at 30 Rack of Sports on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. 3-0 Rack of Sports. And now, Zach's reciting of the con. This peach berry pie sour tastes and smells like, wait for it, 
a fresh baked pie with a filling of peaches and tart berries. Crisp and slightly tart, the beer pours garnet red with a white frothy head. The beer opens with aromas of freshly sliced peaches followed by waves of juicy berry aroma and flavor. On the back end of each sip, there is a lingering presence of toasted pie crust, a flavor we create using both honey malt and biscuit malt. Apologies to your grandma, but this is about to be your favorite pie. Also one of my favorite cans. Oh, yeah, I like the can. The can, we it's didn't really a nice that. yellow yeah. can that's got uh, blueberries and peaches and some pies on it and some random, random people with <laughs> blue hair. That are some of them are dunking them, some of them are flying. I'm not gonna lie though about the peach thing. It just reminds me of like when someone like texts you like a peach emoji. <laughs> the peach emoji. Oh, for the can, the one on the can. Yeah, yeah. There's all those peach like, oh. emoji. <laughs> we don't want to hear you about your text conversations. <laughs> we don't want to do that. I like the big pies on here too, though. I mean, it's got a very like summery picnic vibe. Oh, it, yeah, it, it definitely gives you the, the fruity summer vibes and everything. It but, lightens up your uh, dark uh, fall that we've already entered now, kind of. Yeah. yeah. No, it was raining all day, and now it's yeah. super dark tonight. So, yeah, definitely a, a dark, rainy day, but mm. it gets brightened up by this beer. Damn, that, uh, that is good, Well, man. and Rheingeist has done a good job of, like, using different malts to create the, the kind of pie crust thing. I mean, they've done it with... Uh, Trips, Uncle, uh, Sangria even has like a blueberry pie crust thing. Reno, like they've they've made a lot of attempts to use different malts to create yeah. that. And I think this collaboration going outside of Ohio. Um, well, I know. We don't like I, to do that. Whoa. I know well, we don't, but. Uh, but I mean, I think what they set out to do, they achieved really well. Yeah. And I would say, you know, you're in the Missouri Kansas City area, definitely check out this uh, Boulevard Brewing Company. Good job to them as oh, well. Oh, no, they definitely have some some yeah. really good beers. Yeah. I know I had their 47 Oktoberfest okay. while we were doing Oktoberfest around these parts, and uh, it's definitely, I mean, a solid beer. And like we said, they're, they're starting to dip their toes into some of the, you know, seltzers and whatnot, so there's a whole yeah. lot. And if, uh, you know, look around some of your, your fancier beer marts, I believe, and uh, see if you can find Boulevard, because they definitely have a lot of good flavors. Um very few, though, better than this collaboration with Ryan Geist, because as we mentioned, this is a fantastic beer. Top of the pedestal now. Well, and I think we've this is, what, our second or third Ryan Geist collaboration we've done recently, yeah. and each one has been different, but I think each one highlights like a really good thing that like Ryan Geist excels at. Yeah, okay. I think that's yeah. the thing is, you know, Ryan Geist is one of those that's been able to get big because they can do some of the different flavors. You get some of the malts here. I think one of them was an IPA, so yeah. it's like IPA and sour Berliner Weiss Imperial is like two totally different ends yeah. of the spectrum. But when you can do stuff like that, you can see why Rheingeist is one of the best. I mean, my favorite thing about Rheingeist is the the sheer selection and volume of different types of beers they have. I, I've never seen that with any other brewery. Right. You know, yeah. like if you go somewhere that they good. sell like all of the Rheingeist beers, yeah. it's like, oh... Like a whole shelving full. Well, the one thing that I think is... is And they're all good, yeah. Yeah, even more important than that is it's like you go to some breweries where they'll have 16, 18 beers on tap. Yeah. But it's like, you know, a third of them are just like a little twinge on like a similar... You know, it's like an IPA, but it's like this one's a lemon IPA, this yeah, one's a cherry like IPA. Ideas, exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah, right. and it's like, well, this one's a Pilsner, but this one's a, you know... 
a special pilsner. This one's a, you know, cold. This one's a coffee cold. Like, it's usually kind of similar stuff that they just kind of throw a couple flavors in. Ryan guys still get, like, we said anywhere from a peach pie sour to a, you know, they obviously have a lot of really good IPAs to all your brown ales and everything seasonal. They kind of mm-hmm. cover the whole spectrum where it's like, if you take someone there, you can usually find a beer that. Plus, they always come out with something new, like all the right. time. Every time I go to the store, I'm like, "Oh, I'm there. that's new." Well, and it's good for I've them. Never seen bubbles before. It, yeah, like, it, it's good yeah, for bubbles them. Are like, good it's too. good for them. Like we're talking about it, like in comparison to other breweries, but like even in Cincinnati, where there's such a diverse, like each brewery kind of has a different thing. Ryan Geist is able to touch every corner of yeah. the local. Market, yeah, yeah, because you get some of them that are more on their Oktoberfest, right. you know, Mad Tree. You get a lot of your your IPAs and, and stuff from. They do a lot of sours too, yeah, but yeah. the big, well, the big sours, uh, Urban Artifact, yeah, that right. does a lot yeah. of that. There's some stuff. breweries like that that are like experimental breweries. Some are traditional breweries. You know, yeah, Ryan some, Geist hits it all. Some yeah, up by Mason, you get some of those where you know, like uh, Sixteen Lots, where they do a lot of, like the brown ales right. and the Kolsch's. Plus, and I still said they have the best logo in the business, man. Oh, it's definitely a big. Logo, yeah, I think it's one of the best for. Uh, you know, you can tell the tap right away because oh, you like yeah. that, like skull head, whatever top. That looks the like ghost. A, I assume that's head. supposed to be um, a hop or something. I assume is what that's supposed to be. Yeah, I don't know. Hop till you drop. I hop till you drop. Ah, oh, yeah, it's a good clean logo. Um, but definitely, guys. I mean, we cannot say enough nice things nope. about this this crust fall. So try it out. Uh, We've got a we've got a few beers in the chamber. We're usually not exactly big plan ahead, guys, but we've got a few <laughs> yeah, interesting beers, in the, beers in, the chamber in the chamber to try out for to to try out here soon. So, uh, we're be on the lookout. We're still going to be drinking around Ohio, swinging for the fences here as we round out the year. I think. Yeah. Hey, look, we're a second year podcast now. We can't go big or go home. Can't sit on any of this first we're year in glory. All the success. Yeah, we just can't sit <laughs> on our laurels. Don't let it go to your head. I'm trying not to. I'm waiting for people to recognize me. Because just know it's me. It's not you. (laughs) (laughs) What's brewing in Ohio? Uh, We've been brewing in Ohio. Well, we don't actually brew, but metaphorically, we've been brewing. You don't know what I do in my spare time. Fair. (laughs) Uh, Metaphorically, and I don't want to know, but metaphorically, (laughs) we've been brewing for a year in Ohio now. One whole year of 30 Rack of Sports. We could have even made a stout. In that time, yeah, we could have, yeah. we could have, we could have aged something. Well, we aged. I certainly aged with the pandemic and whatnot. But we also want to. You both look like shit. I, I grew a beard. That. I don't know what you're. Yeah, yeah, hey, 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 hey. he's like a poor man's baker. Oh, <laughs> is there really a, isn't Baker a poor man's baker? That's true. Uh, but we've been to over like twelve different cities or uh, locales. Regions, locales in Ohio, um, over 30 different breweries. I know that there were that many locales in Ohio. <laughs> well, to give you an idea of how many breweries there are in Ohio, we have hit uh, less than 10% of them. So that's a lot. Let's get drinking, boys. Yeah, we, we've got a long way to go, but we hope you uh, stick with us. Um, one of those breweries that we've had on the show, Jackie O's. Jackie Bros. Oh, Southeast Ohio, though. Yeah. yeah. Uh, moving out of Southeast Ohio, actually. Wait, what? Uh, coming to Columbus, the capital of our great state, Jackie O's is in the works of an expansion right now. Well, they're expanding or are they completely moving out of They're expanding. Oh, uh, okay. Um, no, I can't take the... I was going to say, I was going to be like, forever, I'll never drink you, you again. You can take How the Athens out of Jackie O's, but you can't take, take Jackie O's, O's out, out of Athens, Athens. but you, you can. Go. They're going to be moving into Elevator's old space in Columbus. Now, 
What's happening to <clears throat> Elevator remains to be seen, and uh, that's still up in the air. But where Elevator was in Columbus, Jackie O's will be there soon. Uh, so you will soon be able to visit the Jackie O's in Columbus, and that'll be a great treat. What are you guys whispering about over here? We're trying to figure out if we went to Elevator at one point. I can't remember for one of our friend's bachelor's party. We might have went to Elevator in Columbus. Elevator's good. I hope it sticks around. Where is it? It's in, it's in... I know it's in Columbus. Columbus. Yeah. Is it Short North? I think so. Oh, we probably did if it was in Short yeah. North. Um, that was a long time. We were all... But yeah, I know Elevator in their one pub is going to remain there, and there's still going to be Elevator beer out there, but what exactly is happening with the Elevator tap room and brand remains to be seen. So we'll have an update on that in the future. Also, guys, Ohio House Bill 669 is quite nice. Uh, we haven't been there. We haven't been there. Oh, no? No. Uh, well, uh, you'll be able to go there soon. Whoa. Well, you'll be able to go there now. It's passed, yeah. and that allows uh, breweries and other entertainment venues to kind of expand their space um, to their out their near outdoor space mm. um, so they can serve better in the pandemic. Nice. And it will allow for uh, carry-out alcohol to be a thing now. Nice. Now let's just get rid of open container laws and we're good. We're halfway there, man. We're I mean, we're getting there. there. I mean, we're slowly making the steps. They have some, oh, what, Dora? Dormy? Yeah, Dora's are spotting up designated outdoor recreational, recreational areas. areas. Yeah. 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 I know words. Dora, Dora, Dora. Very few, but yeah. Um, <laughs> when we come back next week for What's Brewing in Ohio, things are heating up, if you will. Uh, October now, 20th. winters, it's cooling down. Uh, yeah, it may be cooling down, but the brewing is heating up. Whoa. <laughs> uh, we'll have uh, October 27th is a date you'll want in your calendar. Big day in Ohio. Ohio Pint Day. Oh. Ohio Pint Day. So that's a week from now. We'll have more news about that next week. And next week, guys, I have been waiting for this brewery to open uh, It's uh, in Mainville just north of Cincinnati. I have been waiting it for it to open for so long, and at the end of October, it is opening, and we'll have plenty of news about what that is next it? week. Uh, I'm saving it for next what week. What is it? Whoa. I'm saving it. <laughs> I'm saving it. It's opening at the end of October. Well, looks like we already have week. the main topic for our next podcast ready to go. Uh, people are going to have to tune in and see what it is, but that's what's brewing in Ohio. We're sticking with the Big Ten. It's a big weekend. Zach wouldn't allow us to cut all this from the show. So Never. we're going to talk about the Big Ten being back. And, of course, Ohio's Big Ten team, the Ohio State Buckeyes. Uh, we'll start with the schedule for Ohio State. Um, overall, Zach, I would say yeah. as far as the schedule that could be made up, pretty favorable. Obviously play all the teams in the East. But their two West games are Nebraska and Illinois. So, you know, no Wisconsin. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, no Minnesota. Don't have to go on the road to Purdue or Iowa. Yeah, which have been some issues in the past. So, my God, I don't have to go to Kinnick. Oh my God. So, uh, you know, what are your what are your thoughts? I guess first um, off, on the schedule. On the schedule. Um, yeah, it's kind of pretty much uh, kind of front loaded, and then uh, one game at the back there. We all know what that game is. Um, yeah, it's, Indiana, it's a favorable. It's a favorable. A it's a favorable schedule. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. It is. Um, you know, Nebraska will be interesting. They seem to roll them ever since Nebraska's come into the Big Ten. But you have to think at some point Scott Frost is gonna put something together. Uh, I think having all this time to prepare, um, 
could be a little dangerous. And then you jump right to Penn State. Luckily, thank God, there's no fans there. You imagine that? Full moon, uh, yeah, Halloween, yeah. night, 7.30 start on ABC. Yeah, no whiteout, luckily. So that, they, that that's a break there for them. Yeah, super fair. Like I said um, in the last segment uh, when we were doing the over-unders, yeah, I mean, no reason they shouldn't go 9-0. Yeah. Uh, so I guess we want to talk about strengths and weaknesses of – the Buckeyes. I think the one weakness I was able to find, I don't think there's a lot of weaknesses, but the one that I thought maybe was the secondary, obviously mm-hmm. losing a lot of production. Uh, Jeff Okuda, obviously, you know, Jordan Fuller, uh, top pick, Jordan Fuller, Damon Arnett are gone. So, you know, only really one returner in Sean Wade. And also he was kind of late to come back after opting out and then opting back in. Uh, that's probably the biggest weakness I have. Obviously strengths, all over the ball, maybe with some of your skill players still. You know, you still have Justin Fields, who's yeah. a top probably three quarterback in college football. So, I mean, I was going to – I wrote Justin Fields, yeah, obviously. I was going to go ahead and just like everybody knows that. Like, So I was going to go my other strength. Honestly, the offensive line is a strength. There's tons of returning start, all five returning. Um, you know, you have an All-American, White Davis, back at right guard. Um yeah, I mean, I think, honestly, the offensive line, they have a lot of depth. They have a lot of um, – th- that was kind of a weakness for many years. Probably say it was a lack of depth there. They have a ton of depth, a lot of highly rated recruits there. Um, <clears throat> you know, Taylor Munford playing left tackle. He's got 26 starts. So uh, I would say the offensive line is, you know, their next strength. And, yeah, I agree with you. The, weak- the weakness is the secondary just because we don't know. Um, everybody back there highly recruited, not lack for talent. Uh, but besides uh, Sean Wade, it's going to be a question, you know. Uh, last year they played three corners, one safety. Are they going to go back with Kerry Combs now taking over, back to two safeties? Uh, all reports are they might go that route. So it's looking like we're going to have Josh Proctor, who played down a lot down the stretch last year. Um, so he has some experience, but then it would probably be Marcus Hooker, Malik Hooker's younger brother, um, stepping in there. So Got to watch out for those hookers. <laughs> Zinger. Though little naughty gray. Um and then yeah, opposite of Sean Wade, you're looking at like seven banks or Cam Brown, so <laughs> I just I'm wasn't s- I'm sorry, I'm still on that whole exchange there. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that was a weird exchange and I jumped back in. Um yeah, I agree. That that's the weakness, that's the question. Can Kerry Combs but I trust Kerry Combs. Um there's no reason. But that is why I worry starting with Nebraska. Penn State, two teams who you think offensively could um, take advantage of that if it's just a, a shit show. What about you, Josh? Yeah, that's, your thoughts? that's my one big question mark. And you could almost argue that one of the strengths is the schedule. Um, yeah. When you look at that, is that your one weakness is the defense, but the teams that you're playing, and I mean, there's no real cut like offensive threat that you really need to be worried about, per se. Big Ten football. You run the ball, you run the ball, you run, run the, the ball, ball you, you punt the ball. <laughs> exactly. Like um, The only thing, I think, maybe not even like a weakness with their secondary is, again, to go back to that schedule, while it could be a strength, it could also be a weakness. I mean, you got to go – you get the game in Nebraska and everything, but then you have to go to Penn State. But then you kind of have four to five cakewalks before Michigan. At Indiana, though, sneaky. sneaky <laughs> is, uh, sure, you might, no, they're at Illinois. You might get a, te- you might get a test here home, or there. So. Oh, okay. yeah. but, but, I mean, you still have to worry a little bit about, and like I said earlier in the show, 
there's Ohio State has not given you a reason to doubt them yet. But yeah. if you, you know, go cakewalk in there for like a month straight and then have to take Michigan at home and Michigan on the off chance they do have a good season. <laughs> Josh. Talking I am crazy. Just saying, talking I'm crazy. playing devil's advocate here. <laughs> I know you are. I know. Yeah, you could lay an egg like you do against, you know, Virginia I Tech. I mean, but I think Ryan Day's a different guy, at though. Purdue. Meyer, or, his whole career, had these eggs. And yeah, we, they lost to the Clemson, but I mean, he never really laid an egg last year. They no, rolled Clemson everybody. Good, right. yeah. No, that's what I mean. They rolled everybody. Yeah, mm-hmm. they probably should have won the Clemson game. So I don't, we'll see. It's only year two. All right. But and I haven't seen that from him. I yet. think we're all kind of in agreement. Roughly, Zach may take things to the nth degrees he normally does. Biggest threats in the East are probably Penn State and Michigan. Those are the only two, like, at least decent teams in the East. I'll give you uh, the one game on the schedule. It's always just odd when you look at it. And um, granted, different team, like I said, different coaching stuff. I don't expect there to be a letdown, but in Maryland's even worse than they were then. But anytime they played at in fucking Maryland, though, they yep. always have trouble. You, that's going to be like a 12 o'clock game. There's going to be nobody there. Yeah. Yep. College Park. I don't know. That's a little bit like, do they, are they just like rolling? You know, they just probably beat the shit out of Rutgers. Um, right. That's um, That's my thing. This is like, do you get into those? Get in a lull there. Lull. Yeah. Where you're just kind of like walking, my only taking thought, a stroll in the park. And then. Yeah. My only thought is against most of these teams that aren't like really Penn State, Michigan, and maybe Indiana or Nebraska, even if they sleepwalk through an entire half, I'm still not even worried about them against those teams. I mean, that's right. fair, yeah. My and my only thought is, too, you would think, I mean, that's probably goes for every team. Like, they didn't think they were playing a season this year, yeah. so I think like they're going to take every game. Like, oh, we're yeah, just going to be so out ma- here. And they only have so many games. Yeah. It's not like a 12-game season. Um, so then I guess we'll move into our last part. Uh, full predictions. Uh where do you think they'll go? You know, most of us had a prediction already on their schedule, but uh, Josh, what do you think this this final prediction for Ohio State? Where do you think they end up? I think Ohio State ends up in the college football playoff. Where they go from there, we'll save that prediction for another day. But I just I have a hard time. Like I'll say it again: until the Buckeyes give me a reason to think they can't do it, until there is a formidable foe in front of them i see nothing stopping them right now i mean i mean maybe the number nine bearcats (laughs) (laughs) oh wow wishful i'm gonna take nine and oh as well with a spot in the college football playoff anything can happen but i haven't seen anything from ohio state yet (laughs) and i've seen some teams put the beat down on their conference that's all i'm gonna say possibly a team in orange So uh, uh, they're going to redeem themselves in the know. college football playoff and they're going to win the whole fucking thing. Wow. That's I'm surprised. I thought he was going to say <laughs> no. they are. They are. They should have won that game last year and they would have. I'm not saying they would have beat LSU. LSU was a great team. I'll tip the cap to them, but I think they would have given them a game. Yeah. Zach says eight and two with a close loss in the Cotton Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> to Cincinnati, of course. That's so. our show. All folks. right. Cool. Thanks. Very good, folks. Uh, let us know about your thoughts on on the Big Ten. Will Ohio State go undefeated? <laughs> Will they win the college football playoff? Will one of those teams sneakily come up and beat them? Are you a big Rutgers guy? I don't know. <laughs> big. Let us know at 30 Rack of Sports. <laughs> All of you Shiano maniacs, let us know. 
tweet at us at 30 racket sports they're even Rutgers fans like, i don't think the students there are fans of Rutgers. all right gentlemen we uh have been doing this podcast for a year now well and we've had many of great debates many great conversations but have we had the great debate? I don't think we have had the great debate, the, well, the, the big sports debate of them all. And so, gentlemen, I ask you this. LeBron or Jordan? I mean, Mr. MJ, Jordan. He's the go goat for, for, right. go for a Why is he the goat? <laughs> okay, he's going to say 6-0 so, and oh in final. All right. No. <laughs> so... As we said, 6-0 in finals. But it's more than that. It's not just the finals. It's the entirety of the playoffs. We'll start with playoff records because that's really when basketball starts, as most people don't even watch basketball until usually the turn of the calendar year, which is why they're moving the schedule. If you take a look at Jordan versus LeBron's playoff record, Michael Jordan is 119-60. and 60. And Braun is 170 and 88. Both of them are roughly 66% of their playoff games have won. Uh, if you take out Michael Jordan's first two playoffs, because LeBron did not make the playoffs in his first two years, and if you take a look at you know the amount of teams in the league, and then also take out the year that he played, you know, 10 games before he came to the playoffs, and then also. Michael didn't get a chance to get fat on the first round because in the 80s and 90s, the first round was a five-game series, not a seven-game series. So if you adjust and take away all the wins and losses for LeBron, if the first round was only a five-game series, put all those numbers into perspective, LeBron's record is 156 and 84, which is a 65% winning percentage. MJ, 113 and 49, 70% winning percentage. The guy dominates in the playoffs every single time. That's when it matters. That's when it matters. Zach, a rebuttal. A rebuttal? All right. Um, are we talking about golf or tennis here? Love? No, we're talking about a team sport, a sport we have to play with teams. LeBron has really? taken, according to advanced metrics by 538, he is taking two of the... Two of the bottom teams that ever make the NBA Finals for adjusted for error and everything to the finals. We obviously know we're talking about the 07 Cavs. Um, and I, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying Michael played with like eight Hall of Famers or anything like that. But when you look at the rosters and they played against and like the teams that LeBron played against, errors are a wash to me. They're a wash. People point to errors. Yes, in the 90s, basketball was more physical. You could check guys, don't get me wrong, but the basketball today, there's a little more nuance, a lot more pass. You don't get as much ISO opportunities like you did then. So, um, we're talking about greatest scorer, Michael Jordan, greatest basketball player, LeBron James. If you had to start one team, Greg, one team, one, or sorry, not one team, sorry, one player to build a team around, who would you take? You're going to still take Michael Jordan? Yeah, I'll take Over the, the greatest all-around player of all time and. LeBron James, a guy who can play five, he can play four, he can play one, he can play point forward, he can score, he passes, he makes the right basketball plays, and he plays deep. Well, he can't play defense. I was going to say, let's take a look, because there are two sides of the ball. And if you look at a guy who was all first-team defense four times and all second-team defense one time, 
You get LeBron. That's very respectable. You get a guy who is all first-team defense nine times in 15 seasons, but if you take off the two where he played less than 20 games, his unretirement year and then the year he broke his foot, and then also his two kind of wash years in Washington, you get nine first teams in, what, 11 seasons? And a defensive player of the year, something that LeBron does not have. Which he, he should have had. That he can be the best. No, because he, he, he's not a consistent enough defender. He takes off plays until the playoffs. And he does have those big playoff defensive moments. But some would say Michael Jordan has those as well. You look back and everybody remembers in the 16 championship, the LeBron block. But mm-hmm. to win the game, there was the Kyrie shot. Everybody remembers in the 98 finals, there was the Michael shot. Did he push up? Did he not? We're not going to get into that right now. <laughs> but no. very few people remember the possession beforehand, they were tied. And he actually stole the ball on a great defensive play, understood the play, and swiped the ball from the guy who has the second most points ever in Carl Malone, one of the greatest scorers of all time statistically, not just Andre Iguodala. An unbelievable play by Michael Jordan. And one of those things that shows that he can do it on both sides of the ball. He was one guy that has shut down players. When anyone tries to compare anyone to him, he shuts them down. And that has not always been the way LeBron's done things when he plays against great scorers at the same position. See Kawhi Leonard and Kevin Durant. So let me ask you guys this. It's been established now that Michael Jordan and LeBron James played in two different NBAs, two different eras. Could LeBron James play in Michael Jordan's era and would he have the same successes now and vice versa? Could Michael Jordan play in today's NBA and have the same success that he did back in the day? I think both are true. I yeah, think. I would give both are true. I think Bron is big and physical enough. Mm-hmm. And honestly, it might help him some. Maybe not. Maybe the passing might be a little bit more difficult. Um, I would say the one thing that would help out Bron is he doesn't have to shoot as many threes. He's only, a, you know... In his playoff career, he's only about a 33% three-point shooter, which would him and Mike are about a wash there. The one thing that hurts is a lot of fouling, a lot of hard fouls, a lot of going to the line. The one thing that Michael has a large statistical advantage, advantage over LeBron is at the three-point line. Michael was almost an 83%. The free throw line, you mean? Yeah, free throw line. Free throw percentage, 83-point line. No, sorry. free throw line. Michael, almost an 83% free throw shooter. Mm-hmm. Bron, just over 70%. Well, during the regular season, Michael is at 83. No, this is playoff average. Oh, we're talking playoff, playoff average. Yeah, 82.8. Yeah, 82.8 to 74.1. So that's the one thing where you have to realize. The other thing is with Mike is a lot more hand-checking, a lot more fighting. You don't get away with some of the offensive moves that he would have pulled, but you think he probably has more room to shoot in today's game. It's a lot more spread out. Obviously, you'd have to get better at three-point, but there would just wasn't as many threes being shot in that era. So if he could get his open shots, I mean, he's been shown to be, as Zach already said, one of the greatest scorers ever. Playoff average, almost 33.5 points per game. The guy can get buckets no matter what and can get buckets in clutch times, as he's shown in every playoffs he's played in. So I guess my next question for you guys is we've talked about how you know, and everyone in Ohio will say, well, LeBron has carried, like you said, Zach, LeBron has carried some 
not-so-great teams into the finals and has led some of those not-so-great teams. Could Michael Jordan not do the same? So uh, I think it's very interesting. Basketball Reference has a metric called the play, uh, called usage rate, and this is just specifically in the playoffs. This is a percentage of the team's play, plays that are used by a certain player while on the floor. So uh, 35% is, is the benchmark that I had because usually that's you know, more than a third of the plays. Braun has been above 35% three different times. That was the 07 title, or the 07 run, where they got crushed by the Spurs, the 15 run where, you know, uh, Kevin Love and Kyrie got hurt, and then that 18 run where he was pretty much the entire Cavaliers team. So you think, wow, those are three big years. Michael had a usage rate above 35% in 10 years. And some of those maybe throwaway years when you're playing the Celtics and getting crushed in the, fir- in the first round. But four of those years were title years. He was the guy taking the most shots and taking the biggest shots in every playoff. And then you also look at in his six final seasons, Michael Jordan averaged at least 9.9. So almost double digit scoring more than his second leading scorer in the playoffs. The best second leading scorer he ever had Every year with Scottie Pippen, but Pippen in 91, where he averaged just over 21 and a half points a game. In LeBron's 10 final seasons, he was actually the second leading scorer in two of those seasons, 2011 and this past season. And then the non-Bron leading scorer, so the second leading scorer, the top leading scorer in two of those seasons, averaged more than 21.6 points per game in five seasons, including three of his four title seasons. The only one was the only one that wasn't was the 2013 championship over the very young Thunder team. So you can talk about teammates, but when it comes to making the biggest shots in the biggest moment and shouldering the load on offense in a more difficult offensive time, Michael Jordan Michael showed Jordan. it in every metric. <laughs> All right. Zach, a rebuttal. Yeah, let's we'll just go ahead and dive into the advanced metrics then. So there's like the big six advanced metrics in basketball. There's player efficiency rating, value over replacement, uh, plus Warp. minus. Yeah, there you go. Wind shares, true shooting percentage, which makes adjustments for shooting. And then obviously, like he said, usage percentage. Usage rate. Or usage rate, sorry. Usage rate, yep. Usage rate. And um, I mean, I think, so there's six, right? If you look at the three that Michael takes lead, and this is goes both ways. We're going to focus on playoffs, right? It's pretty much what we're looking at. Um, so player efficiency rating, Michael 0.2 over LeBron. Plus minus a little bigger for Michael, about 0.9, and then usage rate like Gregory talked about. But they're they're pretty close on all those. But when we look at some of the other metrics like value over replacement, um, MJ's at 24.7, LeBron's 33.2. It's quite a big difference over what you would consider like a replacement player level. And then win shares, Michael's 39.8 in the playoffs. LeBron's 55.3. Some of that factors in for the sheer number of playoff games, and you have to realize, one, MJ played less playoff games in his series and then also has played less playoff years just because of his hiatuses and just and then, the fact that MJ didn't play as long. Sir, I'm talking about you. <laughs> <laughs> and then true shooting percentage. You know, this is kind of like where we're talking about, don't get me wrong, Le- Michael was the greatest scorer of all time. No one's arguing that, but you look at like adjustments for like true shooting percentage. 
LeBron actually has a better true shooting percentage than Michael does. Not not hugely, granted. I'll give you that. Not hugely, but I think there's this big conception that LeBron's like a terrible shooter. Um, and really, he's not. I mean, you even want to look at like three-point averages. I, Greg mentioned that. I mean, it's it's pretty much a wash, but I mean, LeBron's technically .2 better. Um, just a couple other notes I want to point out. We're going back to the all-around player thing. I mean, I agree. It's both ends. Michael has the awards, the accolades, and I'll give you that. Michael's the greatest compare you've ever seen on the planet. And I think that shit on the defensive side, I think we all, but I think we all agree woulda, coulda, shoulda. LeBron has the ability, though, to dominate on the defensive end when he needs to. But a couple other parts of being a basketball player is rebounding and assists, passing the ball, setting your teammates up to be successful. And I think you look at the averages whether regular season, but we'll focus on playoffs. I mean, playoff averages. And this is, you know, nine rebounds a game for LeBron. Almost a double-double right there. Uh, Michael, 6.4. And then assists, 7.2 for LeBron, 5.7 for Michael. Um, I don't know. Those are very telling things. And it gets back to my idea. And this is, I guess, how, how do you want to define who's the greatest player? To me, it's I want a guy to build around, and you want the most versatile player you can find. And I think... That's LeBron James, plain and simple. He does everything. So I guess let me ask my, my final questions to each of you, and then I'll get your final thoughts. So, Zach, do you think Michael Jordan playing less and the focus on his brand and the base, the whole baseball hiatus thing, yeah, I would, do, you yeah. think, do you think any of that hurt Michael Jordan and, and his place in this conversation? Well, I think kind of to bring the baseball thing into perspective. And I'm never going to knock any player for doing what they want to do. He obviously had a lot going on. He needed to step away from the game. No, I know. Yeah, his dad died. There's a lot of things going on. He felt he needed to step away from the game. So I'm not knocking anybody Some for... very shoddy stuff, yeah. For taking, you know... I'm not going to... I'm not killing him for that. But, you know, it's like a lot of things like... He did take almost two years off from the game. And he I think that helped him. Obviously, I think that allowed him to play longer... Um, but I, you know, obviously point totals and stuff, LeBron's easily going to win that because he's played more, but I think LeBron doesn't get enough credit for the longevity point. He hasn't taken two years off at any point. He's put in the time he's gone around, you know, and I think even taking three different franchises in a way, a lot of people take hammer people for that now, but that's the game. And I think that's a pretty big feat as well. And then obviously the, you know, 10 finals appearances is something that takes away that Michael probably yeah he might have been able to get there you might have seen eight in a row we don't know though and that's the thing that I think those Rockets teams that one during well like, the one year the one year yeah uh, but the I'm second saying, year they, they got lazy in the in the regular yeah. season and then kind of fell but I mean you know we I guess it's almost like he took two and a half years on I think a lot of people give him or or, sorry, not quite two years, almost two years off. And a lot of people give him almost credit for that when I still say, well, like, he could have had a loss there. Because it was like LeBron carried that terrible 07 team to against a great and Spurs I will say, team. You also have to look at if Michael would have gotten there. You know, he lost a couple, a few straight um, Eastern Conference finals mm-hmm. to the Pistons. Bad I boy. think it was three straight to the Bad Boys Pistons. So you think if he gets there once... You know, you're not playing an old, older Magic Johnson, an older James Worthy. You maybe even get Kareem in there for the last one or so of those. So there could have been some final yeah. losses in there. I'm not. I guess that's my point in favor of LeBron is he took that bad team. That was a great Spurs team. They had no chance to win that. And it's like as soon as he lost that one, what did everybody say? The narrative was written. 
you can never match Michael. It's over. Right. And I think, and we'll see when it's all said and done, but I just think, you know. So he leads me perfectly into my question, my last question for you, Greg. Does LeBron in the three franchises he's played for, the way he's done all that, how does that incorporate to this conversation? And then how does also not knowing right now how much longer LeBron is going to play for, you know, what does that all do for him in this conversation? Yeah, I think the one thing that I think really puts LeBron kind of behind the eight ball is the one thing that people have always said is, you know, Jordan had Pippen. And Pippen, I I am one of the biggest Scottie Pippen, you know, fans in the world. I will say he's one of the best off-ball defenders to ever play in the game. But the one thing is Scottie Pippen, or uh, Michael Jordan didn't get a guy with championship pedigree, like a real solid player, maybe an end-of-the-bench player, until after he'd already had his three championships, Horace Grant left, and then they got Dennis Rodman, who had the pedigree with the Pistons. Him and Pippen had never won anything. You know, MJ had some of the similar, you'll never win a championship, you're just a scorer. Early in his years, you know, not as much losing to the Celtics, but especially when he was losing to the bad boys all the time. But he was able to figure it out with his franchise. The one thing with LeBron is, you know, he went to a place with, championship pedigree and championship players you know the first year he was in south beach Dwayne wade was the leading scorer in the playoffs for that heat team and you could tell he did not know how to win a championship some of that has to come with i mean mike figured it out and bron needed wade there one of bron's championships was a ray allen three and i will never put someone down for passing it because everyone knows you know there's the uh the John Paxson and the Steve Kerr shots and everything else like that. Yeah. But Bron or Bron was a guy who needed some talent around him, needed some championship pedigree around him. I mean, you can say what you want this year. Anthony Davis, not a guy with championship pedigree, but a guy who, who showed out, but also had, you know, a ton of guys with rings on that team. You had Rajon Rondo, who was an integral piece of that yeah. 08 team. You know, in South Beach, he had Ray Allen, and then before that, he had, you know, UD, Udonis Haslam, back when he was still a serviceable player, not just another <laughs> assistant coach. Yeah. He had Dwayne Wade. So I think a lot of it comes from Mike was able to get there through Mike. And I think uh, Brom was able to get there through some of heat culture and learning how to win. Because you could see his last couple of years in Cleveland, there was a loss to the Spurs, and then there was him not being able to overcome the Celtics. Right, and I'm sure right. we all remember that 2010 where he walked I off remember and takes it. off his jersey. And right. I think LeBron built a lot of, I'll give you that. There's a lot of stands on LeBron. I give you that. And I give that, but I was, I'll give you a lot of that. There's, there's the aura around Michael, the perfection that LeBron will never get to touch. And I totally understand that. It's like the 72 oh, Dolphins, yeah. which we would all agree, the 72 Dolphins, though, adjusting, obviously, for the eras, which is greater in football difference. They're not the greatest thing, but there's that aura. You don't of have being Bob Percy handing it off 50 <laughs> times again. To yeah. Larry Zonka. Right. Well, so to wrap it up, wrap yeah. it up, and we're talking we're MJ versus We could go LeBron on this for like a half here. hour. But uh, yeah. Let us know your thoughts, Michael Jordan or LeBron James, at 30 Rack of Sports, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Put Guys, it on the poll. But yeah, we'll put a poll out oh, and yeah, everything. Well, no, that's going to go. Yeah, put it on the poll. Uh, uh, I have a bunch me, more give me, notes, give me, but that's Give fair. me your final thoughts, guys. Yeah, Michael Jordan or LeBron, the GOAT. I mean, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give Zach this. The one thing that I've always hated, and everyone 
I'm a huge Cavs fan, but like Michael Jordan was like the first athlete that I really connected with. Because yeah. obviously when I was a little kid, the Browns weren't there, so I couldn't really be a Browns fan. But the one thing is I do hate the finals record because Michael lost in a bunch of Eastern Conference finals mm-hmm. things. And I will say they're both great players. Anyone who doesn't think these two are top three all time is Ridiculous. insane. Ridiculous. Is yeah. insane. Yeah. You could say Kareem once Maybe again Bill because Russell. of the yeah. Bill Russell. I mean, that's if you do the rings thing. Nah, yeah, that's yeah. Fair. You could put any other guy in there that's in like that conversation. Right. That's but I would say these two yeah. guys. Yeah, I would say three. I would say Kareem and these two are probably the top three. I, I understand mm-hmm. the Kareem thought of it. He was a guy who legitimately changed the game. Yeah. So, but at the end of the day, it's like I understand that LeBron can do all this other stuff, but if you want one game and you want a guy that can just get you buckets and get you to a win, there have been too many times where I've seen LeBron fall short of that, and I've seen LeBron at 90% LeBron. And you just, until the Washington years, you never saw that with Jordan. And I think that's just the one thing that puts him slightly ahead. As I said with the playoff records, Jordan's a little bit ahead there, has a little bit more you know, um, playoff accolade or, uh, accolades, but you'll never know what would have happened with those two years off. And it's a real shame because I think a couple more years of Jordan, or if they would have just brought Phil Jackson back for the 99 season, that could have been just one more stripe on, you know, Jordan shirt. Zach, final thoughts. Oh, that's some other thoughts, but yeah. Um, I think I hit on the myth making, you know, the R of, Michael will never be touched. I'll give you that. I one I guess my last point with LeBron is besides the all-around player part is nobody has ever come into this league. I can't even think of any sport in this media era with that kind of hype and that kind of pressure. You know, my now, Michael Ola with candy, the candy man. What are we doing? <laughs> and look, like, yeah, Michael, like, you know, you brought up a good point. Yeah, there was a lot of times earlier in those Bulls years where people say, yeah, Michael can't win. But it wasn't the same pressure. I mean, this kid was on the cover of Sports Illustrated at 17, calling him King James and saying he's the next Michael Jordan. And I think if you really, LeBron's gone back and forth, but I think you really think about LeBron wasn't Kobe. Kobe emulated purely Michael Jordan's game. I, LeBron took everything, you know, he wore the 23, he kind of, I think, took that on and didn't want it, but he felt he was a different player, and he is a different player. He's a great all-around player, and I'm not knocking Michael, and I agree, 2011 finals is a huge blemish and stain. Wouldn't, wouldn't post up J.J. Barea. I know. I, a guy my size. I'll there's never been a lot of times like in LeBron's career, you're like, what are you doing? I know, I, you know, the 2010 Celtics series, was, yeah, a lot of those types of things, but I just think when you take at his height when he's been on, you know, the 15 finals series, even the year before that where, you know, you had Irving out and Love, and he should have been the NBA finals MVP even though they lost just because he Iguodala just them. hit Iguodala just hit open corner threes. Yeah, but I mean, he just willed that team. Um, I just think he's the greatest all-around player to ever play the game. And that to me is what makes the greatest player. So I guess ultimately, I, I guess it's, I agree with Greg. I think, honestly, I think you're crazy if you don't put them one, two in some kind of order. Cream fair, but Cream's probably three for me. Um, but I think, I guess, ultimately it depends on, do you think it's about, you know, who do you want to build a team around? Is it the one game question? That's probably fair. 
Well, who are you building your team around? Let us know. You can tweet us, Facebook message us, Instagram us. Get on the show next week. We can continue this debate if we want. It is the sports debate, the GOAT debate. Michael Skip. Jordan Skip. versus LeBron James. And it's on 30 Rack of Sports. Find us at 30 Rack of Sports on social media and let us know who you're building your GOAT team around, MJ or LeBron. All right, and now time to close it out for the episode. Once again, thank you to all of those who uh, have been with us for this entire year, minus a couple months for COVID. Uh, thank you so much. You know, all three of us, I'm sure, can say we have a blast doing this podcast. So uh, thank you for listening, and uh, you know, thank you for being a part of it. We really enjoy doing this once a week. Uh, we also want to thank all of our breweries that we've mm-hmm. enjoyed the last uh, year, but especially... Our first brewery outside of Ohio, Boulevard Brewing, who uh, teamed up with Ryan Geist for the Crestfall Peachberry Pie Sour, one of, if not our number one favorite. This might not be even a goat debate right now. Oh, this no, this is not a goat debate. This is not a goat This might be the best beer yeah. that we've had. No, no holds bar. So uh, excited about that. Uh, just a couple quick shout-outs. Uh, Shout-out to our producer, Josh, for all the work that he puts in. And Joshy. reluctantly... Probably taking a forty bet for this week. I I want to give him every chance to win. Hey, we're all three in it because one of the two of us needs to drink a forty at some right, point. Right, right. And so hopefully, not we can, me for once. Hopefully, we can get that. Still with the Browns win, though. Still with the Browns win. God, I hope it's I hope the Browns win by ten. Oh man, <laughs> that'd be brutal. Oh man, we might just we might just have like a forty episode for you. Uh, just like, yeah, just recap all we my might forty just have, losses. Like, our beer of the week might be Old English, so we'll figure it out. Uh and then, also, I'm sure Zach wants to shout them out. Shout out to the Big Ten getting started. Yeah, baby, Next let's weekend, do it. College football's back, guys. Any any parting thoughts? Uh, I, I've got I've got a couple shout outs to give oh. out. Uh, ooh, I've got ooh, I've ooh. got three anniversary shout outs to give out. One. How did you know? One, uh, the thirty rack anniversary. Thank you to our listeners and everyone that supported us. Thank you to the uh, handful of listeners that have listened to every single show. You're awesome. Thanks, Mom. Thank you, yeah, Dad. Yeah, yeah. Uh, thank you. My friend Murph. Uh, <laughs> Shout out. <laughs> uh, speaking of Mom and Dad, happy 30th anniversary, Mom and Dad. And Whoa. happy Ooh. 30th anniversary to Jose Rio and the Nasty Boys and the 1990 World Series for the Cincinnati Reds. Uh, I also want to give out... Won a bunge of series since then, right? Oh, yeah. An abundance. <laughs> I was about to. An abundance. I also want to give a shout-out to Jimmy McLaughlin, who is back in the lineup for FC Cincinnati after Jimmy! two years of recovering from a brutal ACL injury. Shout-out to you for working back there. The OG FCC boy himself. Yeah, the last remaining OG in the Pennsylvania Messi. And then a shout-out to Doc Emmerich. Uh, for his retirement. Oh man, yeah. one of the yeah, best so. to do it. Him and I, Gary Thorne. I mean, you talk about there's the some best to ever called the puck. Yeah, I mean Gary Thorne and Vince Scully, guys like that are like so good at like storytelling. You talk about a truly gifted, a truly gifted sports broadcaster who has just a great way with words. Doc Emmerich, 47 years in the mic for the NHL. Great career, sir. Congratulations. And finally, I'm gonna give this last shout out for Zach. Two the red rifle aka the red bb gun <laughs> we're watching monday night football andy dalton almost just threw an interception this was the worst football play i've ever seen That's a bad and then the, right in the defender's hands and he just drops it this is like interception baby he's back he's oh, back he just boy dropped it. oh man this is the worst play on but more side. importantly 30 rack is back for a second year 
For Zach on the takes. What's up? For Josh on the ones and twos. Hey. I'm the talent, Greg. Thank you so much for listening to another edition of 30 Rack. We'll be back next week on Sundays again. Dropping Monday. Peace. <laughs>